Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Bridgepoint Church. Stay tuned after the podcast for a short message, but for now, let's jump right in. So um, we're, we've entered the official uh, summer holiday, summer season, right? And so uh, vacations are beginning. Um, my family and I actually just got back from vacation. Uh, we went to Florida for a week to visit my folks, and then we also went to Disney to rest and unwind. Not really. Uh, we did about 10 miles a day, uh, but it was exciting. We did three days at the theme parks. And uh, anybody ever watch Indiana Jones? Anybody watch? Okay. So you guys, what does he hate? Anybody know? Snakes. So just like he hates snakes, I hate roller coasters. And so uh, now Disney, they have roller coasters, right? But uh, they're not the same. They're not like the Six Flags roller coasters. But they're still scary to me. So, um, you know, I'm afraid of them. I don't like going on them, but I want to share a little story because it relates to the story that I'm going to share later in Scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 14 is where we are, so if you want, you can get a head start and turn there. But anyway, so we're going, and um, there's a new ride at Epcot called Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, not much information about it out there. Actually, there is, but I didn't know anything about it before we started, And so we get there, and we kind of heard a little story from a couple the day before. And so I, I, you know, I I know a little bit, and I ask them, I'm like, are there big drops? Because I don't like the big drops. I can handle the little drops. I can handle the spinning and the turning. I don't like upside down. Um, But I don't want big drops. And so we get to, to go, and my wife is like, misorganization like she is organizing she gets us she gets up early she gets us on the virtual queue so we don't have to stand in line all day long which is a new thing for me and so we're in this virtual queue and so great I get to be excited all day long for the ride that we're going to do and I think we got it a little bit early like 10 o'clock in the morning so I'm like okay we can get this out of the way and then I can enjoy the rest of the day and so we get there and you can't see the ride so you don't know what's going to happen, and it's like in this secret room, and it's all dark and everything, and they got you going through these things, and Disney does a great job of this setup, right? They, they, they have the story being told, and they have, you know, screens coming on with kind of what you're going to do, and they kind of tell you, you know, you know, be prepared, and they lock you in, and you can't get out, and then... You know, and if you're motion sickness or you don't like roller coasters, you shouldn't ride it. And I'm like, why am I doing this? But I've got two boys, 16 and 18, and I, I want to be, you know, macho. I want to be a man and, and kind of make sure that I, I don't show them that I'm scared. Um, and so we wait in line. And then, um, and so that's another other thing. Uh, they, they were ridding ridiculing me or mocking me or making fun of me because I'm from the north and I'm from before the internet era and I grew up my mom always said let's go get online at the grocery store let's go get online so I'm like let's get online and and they're like no dad it's in line we're getting in line so I'm like all right so we're in line and we're waiting and uh finally we get to see the cars so we're like, oh, okay. So, so now the anticipation and the anxiety starts growing even more inside of me. I'm just standing there, you know, kind of just biting my, clenching my teeth and getting ready. And uh, so then we're, we, we get up to the gate. And so we're next. And I'm like freaking out. So I have a decision that I'm going to make. Am I going to go through or am I going to get on? And so I did get on. 
And then you sit there and you pull down the bar, right? Everybody knows you pull down the bar. The one uh, saving grace that I had was that it wasn't the shoulder harness. So I knew we were okay because it was just the lap bar. So we get, and then all of a sudden we go. Now, I don't know if you know about the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. I don't know if you plan on going to Disney, if you, whatever. But the one thing that I heard was that the cars move, they swivel. And I'm like freaking out on the inside that, oh my gosh, are they gonna spin us around or whatever? So I have no idea what's going on. So we go through and then we, we, we start going up and that's when the anticipation, be, it's like, okay, here we go. And then uh, Drek, what, whatever he says, he's like, well, if you survive. And I'm like going, oh great, if I survive the ride. And so then the ride begins and we're going through and I'm having a great time. I have a picture. You know, they have these pictures that they take of you on the ride. So I thought I'd share it with you. It's a pretty good picture. Now, can you see it? Can you see? No, let's get a little closer. Why don't we? Yeah. So my wife, she's like, woo! She's having a great time. Nathan is like, uh. And then Joel's like, whoo! And he's like having a good time too. Uh, can you see my face? But I don't think you can. Let's get a little closer. I'm having a great time. Am I not? So <laughs> I'm terrified of what's coming next. Anyway, we, we finished the ride. It was a good ride. It was actually one of the best rides I've been on. And we got to do it at the end. We got to get on the virtual queue again. And we got to wait. And we got to do it as our last ride of the day. It, and I was just as scared at the last ride that I was the first ride, even though I knew what was going to happen. So anyway, I tell you all that to tell you this, is that sometimes in life, it's like a roller coaster. And there's that anticipation coming up and that you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the next thing that you need to do is. And you're excited because it's there, but you don't know if you're going to be able to make it or not. And we're going to look at a story in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus had just got done feeding the crowds of 5,000, right? With five loaves and two fish. And so he just got done feeding that. The disciples have seen miracles upon miracles. And here we pick up, Jesus is telling his disciples to get into a boat. Now, these guys are fishermen. So they know, most of them are fishermen, not all of them, but most of them know, and they've been, they've been on boats before. And so I, this is where our story picks up in John chapter 14, verse 22. And it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the, wind, by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and begin, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. 
You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men uh, of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. So I want to go through this story a little bit with you and kind of go through seven things that I see in the story. Now, there's, there's a lot here, but I'm just going to highlight seven things. And the first is there's a setup. Jesus, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what was going to happen, right? And he makes the disciples get into the boat. Now, these guys, they're like, oh, I didn't know what, you know, I mean, I'm sure they didn't know what was going to happen, um, but th they're not strangers again to the sea. But yeah, they get on the boat, you know, because this is what Jesus tells them to do. And Jesus dismisses all of the, the crowds. And then he goes off and he, um, he goes off to the mountainside to pray and be alone with the Father. So, but it's interesting. So they're getting on and they're crossing over the Sea of Galilee. Now, this is a pretty big lake in and of itself. It's the largest, actually, freshwater body uh, of water in Israel. It's, the, uh, it's below sea level, so it's about 700 feet below sea level. It's the second lowest body of water in Israel, only second to the Dead Sea. Um, you have the Jordan River flowing from the north into it and flowing out of it, out of the south of it. And um, it's... It's just sweet water, full of life, full of uh, fish and, and, um, and, and, you know, stuff for the, the disciples to catch. Um, and just to put it into comparison, it's about 64 square miles. Lake Lanier is about 58 square miles. Now, Lake Lanier is a little bit longer because um, it's more of a, a dammed up river. But uh, the, the Sea of Galilee is a little, it's, it's about 13 miles wide, 8 miles long or excuse me, 13 miles long, eight miles wide. And so, and at its steepest point, it's about 141 feet deep. So I paint the picture so you can kind of get a, a mind, an image in your mind of what this lake is like. It's not small. It's not the biggest lake that there is in the world, but it's not a small lake. And so these guys are going to cross over this lake and they're going to go to a place ahead of Jesus and I got to wonder, are they thinking to themselves, how is Jesus going to catch up to us? Is he going to catch a ride with another group of people? Um, what's the deal? Are they even thinking that? Probably not. But as they're, one of the other things that uh, the, the Sea of Galilee is prone to is uprising of, of weather and turmoil. And it, it just downdrafts of wind come because it's surrounded by mountains on all sides and it's below sea level again. So you never know what you're going to get. The weather, the weather changes constantly. And uh, so as the disciples are there, the wind comes, right? It says, um, after he dismissed them, he went up. Um, but when the boat was a considerable distance um, off, it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So the second thing is that turmoil arises. And how many times are we going through life, we finally feel like we got everything in order, 
and everything is going well, and then turmoil arises. We get sideswiped or uh, we lose a job or maybe, you know, something happens at work that's just challenging. It's, you think you got everything under control and then everything goes haywire or you get the, the notice from the doctor saying, you know, that you've got something that you weren't expecting and things happen. Or maybe it's a positive thing. Maybe you're getting a job all of a sudden that you weren't expecting. Maybe you're making a change that you weren't looking for. And turmoil arises in all of this, and you're questioning, and you're doubting, and you're, you're asking God, what's going on? You see, the disciples, they were just spent the day feeding 5,000 people, 5,000 plus people. So they were exhausted. They were in a boat. They were crossing the sea. And as they were crossing the sea, the winds come against it. There, it's, it's basically saying that the waters, the winds har were harassing the boat. There was a, a harassment. It was, you know, violently coming against it, just smacking it. And I don't know if you've ever been on the waters where there's, you know, little wind and stuff like that. I've been uh, out on the ocean and it's gone up and it's gone down. And so there's, they're fighting. And, in, and it says that during the fourth watch, of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So the Romans actually broke their nights into four different um, segments, four different watches in three-hour segments starting at 6 p.m. So 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, 3 to 6. So these guys have been crossing this lake. It's now three between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. So they've been working all night long. And all of a sudden... There comes this person, image, out on the waters. They're not expecting this. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like me standing um, online, in line, in line, <clears throat> getting ready to go on the ride. And it's like they're gripped by fear. Oh my goodness, what is coming at me? I don't know what's happening next. And there's Jesus, and they think it's a ghost. And it's like, oh my gosh. You know, what is it? It's a ghost. It's walking on water. They've never seen anything like it before. And when things get out of control, don't we start to see things that aren't really there? Or maybe we're perceiving things in a way that they really aren't happening. It's like, is this really happening? And, and so they've got the wind and the waves. They've got this figure coming at them. And they don't know what's going on. And, and they're gripped by fear. How many of us in life have got something going on where it's like, I don't know what the next step should be, what the next step is. I don't know how things are going to pan out. But one thing I do know is that my God is a God of peace. My God is a God of order. Scripture tells me that I am more than a conqueror because why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Sometimes we can let our mind wander and we can let our, 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 our imagination go awry and go out and, and we can see things in a negative light that, that, we're not, that we wouldn't normally see in that way. And so I want to ask, what, what do you do when the waters rage, when things are harassing you, people are harassing you, events are harassing you, they're coming against you? What do you do when you start seeing things from the wrong perspective. Are you a person that sees things in a negative light? 
I want to encourage you this morning, and I want to challenge you this morning to see things from God's perspective, not from your perspective. I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing, is that sometimes we go through life and we get real comfortable, don't we? Um, things happen, things are going good, and we kind of put God on the shelf. And then things go wrong and we take Jesus off the shelf and it's like, okay, Jesus, I need you now. And then he helps us and he sees us through and he walks us through and then we put him back on the shelf till the next time. It's like, I know I was praying on that ride. Jesus, help me get through this ride. Holy Spirit, will you fill me with courage? I mean, he's got better things to do than to fill me with courage on a roller coaster, right? But, and I pray to God at other times too, but it's like, I'm thinking to myself, he, you know, am I just pulling him off the shelf just because I'm afraid? But sometimes, if we go back, there's a setup. Sometimes God makes us uncomfortable because he wants us to draw close to him. And so as we go through this, it's like, it's watching how things unfold in the disciples' life so that we can even see how things are unfolding in our own. So Jesus comes and what does he say? He says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. See, encouragement comes when Jesus enters the scene. And encouragement comes, and he's and that word courage right there is actually be cheerful, have courage, have confidence, and a firmness of purpose. See, someone here needs to hear this, is that you have a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to bring you hope and a future, to prosper you, right? God doesn't want to see us drown. He doesn't want to see us squander. He wants us to grow. And so the disciples have forgotten that they have been in this predicament before, hadn't they? If you go back to chapter 8, the disciples are in the boat. Jesus is in the back of the boat. What's he doing? He's sleeping, and then they're freaking out, and they're trying to fight it on their own. They're working the best that they can, the best that they know how. They're doing it in their own power, and then finally they give up, and they go, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And he says to them, you of little faith. And then he calms the winds, and he calms the sea, and they're like, who is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? They had been through it before, and yet, they forget. We've been through it before, and yet we forget. But God, but God's going to do it again. God says, take courage. He says, be firm and know that I have a purpose for you. He wants us to be firm in our purpose, to be cheerful, to not always look at the situation from the negative light, why is this happening to me? God, where are you in this situation? If we just take a moment to breathe and to pray and to seek him, we'll see him in the situation. And then Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. And what does Jesus say? Nah, stay in there, I'll be right in. No, he says, come. 
Now, Peter gets a bad rap uh, in, this, in this set of this passage of scripture sometimes because of what happens after he gets out on the water. But I want to give him props for getting out. I mean, the dude walks out of the boat. Now, it's just, it says he steps down out of the boat. So I'm thinking about it. It's not just, oh, this is a little rowboat, and they're kind of on the, and he just has to get out of the boat. No, he has to climb down out of the boat. He has to climb down into the waves that are going up and down, up and down, and the wind that's there, and he has to get out of the boat. And he makes a conscious decision, I'm going to do this. I'm scared spitless. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm going to do this. And so he gets out on the boat. He's walking on the water. He's walking to Jesus. And what happens next? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sees the, it says, scripture says he sees the wind. I don't know how he sees the wind. Can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And you could see that the waves are going up and down and they're splashing against him. They're probably hitting him in the face. And yet he starts, what happens? He starts to sink. And what does Jesus do? He lets him kind of squander for a little while. Ah, I'm swimming, I can't swim. No, Jesus reaches out his hand and he says, you of little faith. And immediately what happens when he grabs his hand? He comes back out of the water. It says, then Peter got down out of the boat Walked on the water, came toward Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid, um, and he, he began sinking, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? People kind of beat Peter up for having doubt. It doesn't say that he doesn't have any doubt. I mean, that he doesn't have any faith. It just says that he's doubting. That means he's got a little bit of faith now. His, his faith has kind of disappeared, and I remember when I was back in New York, uh, growing up, I grew up in New York, um, and we had a, uh, an above-ground pool for a little while, um, and it was four feet, and it was round, and my brother is eight years older than I am, uh, and he had fun with me as a younger brother at times. Yes, just like that. Um, I, I don't know how I survived it, but I did. <clears throat> and anyway, so he was in there, and I'm... I'm probably, I don't know, three or four. I don't know that I can swim quite yet. Uh, he's in there with three or four of his buddies, and they think it's a good idea to kind of uh, walk around the pool and create a little whirlpool, you know? And I, I think in my mind's eye, I see the bottom of the pool, you know, in the middle, because they had it going so good. It probably wasn't that bad, but I lost my grip on the side, and I start to go towards the center. And... As, as much as I give my brother a hard time, he reaches out his hand and he pulls me back in. And he, he didn't let me drown. Jesus isn't going to let us drown. Jesus isn't going to let us be overtaken by events. You see, we may lose sight of what's going on. We may lose, we may forget how Jesus and how God has come through time and time again. But he reaches out. And Jesus is there. So immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and caught him. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And so there's this picture of Jesus getting onto the boat. And he, when he gets on the boat, the wind calms down. 
and, and, the, and the waves settle down, and there's peace. And when Jesus enters the scene, when Jesus is there, isn't there peace? There's, there's calmness. In the midst of everything that's going on, there's peace. In the midst of the storm, there's peace. In the midst of the chaos and the unknown and the uncertainty, there's peace. Scripture says that God gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding. Sometimes we don't really know what that is until we go through situations like this. You know, in our church, we're going through a season of change. Recently, we said goodbye to Matt Wilson, our worship director, creative arts director. And soon, if you've, you got your emails, our top five, we're, we're going to be saying goodbye to Keith Cizak and his family. And Keith is stepping out of the boat. He's stepping out of the comfort of Bridgepoint and what he's known for the past five years. And he and his wife are going to go plant a church. And they're going to go do something that they've never done before. There's no safety net. There's nothing to, to help them. They're just going to go and step out, and they're going to walk out in faith. And I pray for them that they keep their eyes focused on Jesus in the midst of everything because they're going to face the storm. But as they leave and as others have left our church recently, they're being sent out. They're not just leaving because they, they want to. They're leaving because they're called to. And then it's easy for us who are left behind to say, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with Bridgepoint? Let me tell you, my wife and I have been around for a long time, and we've asked that question a lot of times over the years. But God has a purpose and plan for this church, just like he has a purpose and plan for Keith and for Matt and for the others that have left. God has called Bridgepoint to be a light in Woodstock and in Cherokee County. God has called us to be that, that place where people can call it home, people can find refuge, people can find family, and people can be welcomed. And so I am confident of one thing, that Jesus is going to take care of us in the midst of all of this. And the final thing that they did as they got into the boat is that everybody kneeled down and they worshiped him. They had God at the center it took a storm, it took chaos, it took harassment, it took the wind and the waves coming against them, but they put Jesus at the center of their lives. Where's Jesus in your life this morning? Is he at the center? Or is he just on the shelf and you pull him down whenever you need him? Is he the one that you run to when something happens? Or is he the one that you walk beside? in the journey of life. This morning, we need Jesus all the time. And we need to not just acknowledge that, you know, he's there for us when we need him, but he's always there for us. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, there was a time in my life when I walked away from the Lord and I wasn't walking with the Lord. He was my savior. I knew that Jesus was God. I believed that Jesus was God. I received him as my savior, but he wasn't the Lord of my life. He wasn't the center of my life. He was just someone that I pray to occasionally, maybe at meals, on an airplane before it took off. You know, he was someone that I pulled off the shelf every now and then, but I didn't live my life for him. Are you living your life for him? 
Are you allowing him to be the calm in the midst of your storm? The next thing that happened is they got on the shores. People recognized him. And then they brought the sick to him and they just wanted to touch the edge of his garment. And all who did were healed. And so all of this kind of builds up to God's miraculous power of him coming through. And it's amazing to see that people just are like, I just need to touch the hem of his garment and I'll be healed. I just need a little peace. And yet, you know, I don't want to give them, the disciples a hard time because they, they were in the midst of it. They were tired. They were weary. They were bleary-eyed. They didn't know whether they were coming or going. They were about 600 yards off from shore, so they were not in a place of safety. And if you think about it, the waters are unknown. As I talked about, there was depth. And so it's easy for them to kind of get caught up in the moment and lose sight of Jesus being at the center. But I want to encourage us this morning, take courage, be cheerful. Look at things from the positive side. Ask God, what is he doing in the midst of all of this? And what does he want you to learn? And finally, I want you to be firm in your purpose. See, God has a purpose and a plan for you. God has called you. God has equipped you. And God is sending you out to be his light, to bring his kingdom into a world that desperately needs it. This morning, we're going to conclude as we always do by taking communion. And there are stations around the, the back of the, of the worship center. And I just invite you to, as you take the communion, as you take the elements, just to speak to God and allow him to speak to you of where he's at. Tell him where he's at in your life. If you have a prayer request, we welcome you to come and pray. There's tables at the front where you can uh, write down a prayer request, put it in the jar, and our prayer team will be praying over it. And our, our staff prays over that weekly. And if you want, you can light a candle just to represent that God's light is shining within you and that you're sending up an incense of prayer to the throne of God. But this morning, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the question one more time. Where's Jesus in your life? Is he at the center? Do you bow down and worship him? Do you allow him to be the calm in the midst of your storm? Let's do that as we go from this place and let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that you are the center of our lives. Thank you that you love us, that you're not gonna let us drown, that you're not gonna let us be overtaken by the wind and the waves. But Lord God, you're there for us. You're there with a word of encouragement. You're there with a touch of peace and of healing. And Lord God, I just pray your blessing over the, our congregation today, over those that are watching and listening online. And Lord, those that couldn't be here, we just pray your blessing over each and every one. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Bridgepoint Church Podcast. I hope we've shared something meaningful for you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little bit more about us, we meet on Sunday mornings in downtown Woodstock, but we also meet during the week in what we call life groups, and that's where the really good stuff happens for us. If you're becoming a regular listener of this podcast, we'd like to invite you to make it relational, just like we do during the week. Grab a Bible, invite some friends to join you, and turn this into a conversation. If you're already a regular listener and would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting us online at bpc.life and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening.